Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. First, thanks sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. Uh, this is another Dueling Questions with Dustin Cooley, Personal Finance Dad. I'm strict on 15 minutes or less per episode. That's my brand promise, but uh, some guys are interesting. <laughs> we just get going and we go over and I think, do I want to chop it off after 15 minutes? And I'm thinking, no. So this is a, a little bit shorter, but it's some good questions from Dustin and from me as well. I tried to tie into his personal finance background. And like I said, we had a good time. Here it is. What can I do to emphasize the sunk cost fallacy that affects everything? When people buy something for $10 or $10,000, whatever it is, and then a year later, it's worth $5,000 or $5. It's chopped in half. They can't let go of it. They've got to hold on to it because they want to get their money back. The same thing with stocks. It's the same thing with any investment. It's the same thing with the house. You own a home, and if it goes down in value, you don't want to sell it until you get your money back. That's a personal finance thing. It impacts our hobby because that's why people come back from a show and they said that dealers weren't buying. Well, they weren't buying at the price that you were asking because the price you were asking was based on what you had in it, not based on what it was worth. Yeah. I'm fairly risk adverse to where I've never bought a $10,000 card. The most I've ever spent on a card, I know this is all relative, but it's about $1,100 is the most I've ever spent. I have the resources to spend more, but I think just everyone's got to understand, manage their own risk and FOMOing into cards, how that stuff happens. And I feel bad for people that did that in February, March and just riding that wave. And, And look, I've done it. I think everyone's done it. You get excited about cards. You get excited about a player. You don't want to miss the boat. So I've definitely done it, just not on that level to where I bought cards that were, I bought cards at $600 that are now sitting at $250, $300. And I have those same kind of conversations with myself of should I sell off or just sit on it and hold out? Probably depends. Do you need the cash for you know groceries or is this just something that you're okay sitting with? And then the other part is, do you just love that thing in general? If people told me in my comment section, I bought the Luca Prism PSA 10 at, at the higher price at the $1,000, $1,500 price, but I'm okay with that because I just wanted to have one to put in my collection. And they're not worried about it. They understand that maybe it came down in price. There's so many different ways to, to look at that. For me, I collect so many different things. And I'm still, as a collector too, just getting back into the hobby four years ago, I'm still learning about sets. I'm still learning about different types of cards. What'll happen for me a lot of times is I go on a little streak where I found something and I'm like, okay, I'm going to dig into this. And then six months later, it's, oh, okay, here's another thing. And so then I have to make decisions as to how much do I like those cards that I was into six months ago? Do I still want those? Do I want to trade out? These are trading cards after all. I like to trade out of cards sometimes to where it's like, if there's something different that's come up that I'm like, oh man, I've got to have that maybe. Oh, and they like Larry Bird. So maybe I'll trade a couple of my Larry Bird. So I think it just depends on what angle you're coming from. Yeah. The example I'm thinking of is somebody that bought a $400 card but paid $500 for it because they just wanted it. Okay, now you're sitting there, you're $500 into the card, you overpaid. A year later, this card is now worth $250. So it's gone down in value. Okay, if it's me, I I buy more of them and I I dollar cost average. Okay, Okay. then that, again, if if you feel like it's going to go back up, then that's good. But what I find is that if somebody that it was 400, but they paid 500, now it's worth 250. If somebody comes up to them and says, I'll take that card off your hands for 200 bucks. The person should say, no, I'm not selling for 200. And you could say, I've got 500 in it or whatever, but still, if it's worth 250 now, the problem I have is that if somebody came up just like when you wanted the card and says, you know what? I know it's only worth 250 right now, but I'll give you 300 for it. In other words, the person will give you more than what it's currently worth. 
And I think most people in the hobby will not take the deal. They would sit on the $250 card hoping yeah. it'll go up. And again, if it's a retired player, that's different than if it's somebody that's potentially in the... Yeah, no, that's a good point. What What are your thoughts about this rise in Marvel cards over the last couple of months? I know you're not a comic book guy. Now, obviously, with the movies and everything, it's gained in popularity. Thoughts on Marvel cards or the rise of non-sports? And have you gotten into it? I tried not to, Dustin. I tried not to. I was at the recent show and I'm minding my own business on Sunday afternoon. And this guy's got his dollar box, $2, $5 box, stuff like that. And he says, hey, you look like you should buy out my table. <laughs> I said, no, I don't. He said, I got some great cards in here. Look through and I don't want to take them home. I'll make you a great deal. And I said, well, it have to be a great deal because I'm trying to have 1% less a month. This would go in the wrong direction. He said, now just take a look at it. So I looked through them and I said, I went through the first box was baseball looked good. I thought, gosh, if the price is right, I want these next box was basketball. Yeah. I think I could handle this. <laughs> Check my wallet, see how much money I got. I got enough. I think third box is football. The next box is hockey and I'm all sports. Okay. Next box is soccer. I'm thinking well, soccer's emerging and there's some better cards in there. Okay. Here's the catch. The next box was non-sport. And oh, okay. heavy on Marvel. All right. And I said, I just draw the line at non-sport. I'm really not <laughs> interested in non-sport. He said, look, if you want the deal, you'll do well with the Marvel cards. I really want to sell the whole thing to you. So, well, and so it turned out it wasn't a ploy, but it really didn't want the non-sport cards and even the Marvel stuff. He said, trust me, there's some good stuff in there. So it looks fine. So he lowered his price, Dustin, to where I said, okay, I'll take all the boxes. Yeah. And I got them home and I checked them out on eBay and Comp C. And yes, I did okay. And so now I do realize that some of the Marvel cards, not the huge ones, but there's enough interest there. Those are superstars. They're imaginary superstars, but they're superhero. Yep. So now, now I've got some Marvel cards, which I hope I can get rid of them faster than 1% a month, but I will <laughs> see and I'll have a learning experience. So that was my foray. And hopefully it's profitable. In fact, I'm not going to get all my money back from that, but it, it surprised me, Dustin. I'm probably late to that party, but there's a lot of interest in some of the better non-sport and, and Marvel stuff. Agreed. Everybody's looking for what's next. If something gets overheated, they're going to the next thing. And that's one of the next things that people have looked at. Yep. No, absolutely. This is like owning a stock in a company that's illiquid, that, that is not actively traded, that has no dividend. Okay. Whereas a blue chip stock that at a dividend, you're going to get dividends. And that's not guaranteed, but pretty much. I'm thinking in sports cards, there are psychic dividends. That when you're holding a blue chip card, you don't get any financial dividend, but you really get some psychic dividends of the joy of having it, of showing it. And that's probably even if you only own 10% of it in a fractional, that you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's only certain stocks, I think, where there is like a cult following. When you think of a Tesla, for example, where it's, man, we believe in Elon Musk. We like the product. He's going to the, the next level with what he's doing. And I think this, it's the same way with collectibles too, with sports cards. If someone gets a Michael Jordan rookie card, I think they feel like they're a part of something. They're a part of a group, even if they don't necessarily know others that have it. Or like the classic car collectors, they get together with their Corvettes or whatever it is. I totally agree with that. There's more to life than money, obviously. And that's what draws us here is that 
yes, you have the financial aspect, but there's so much more to it than that. There is stress relief. I have cards all around me. So I have a bad work call or something. I just look around. I'm like, okay, this is actually not too bad. I'm just saying that if you had a $100,000 card yeah, and that $100,000 card, you're just sitting on it. You're enjoying it and all that stuff. But if you had $100,000 worth of this blue chip stock that had a 4% dividend, then you'd get 1% every quarter. The card yeah. might go up in value, but even if it doesn't, that joy of ownership, I think could be worth 1% a quarter. Absolutely. If not more. A hobby should be something you really enjoy. And I think it is for almost everybody. In fact, if you're not enjoying it, you're probably a pretty pure investor. <laughs> if it's that yes. cold-blooded that you don't really enjoy handling the cards and the, all the stuff. Yep. Absolutely. What are your favorite professional sports teams? I've had Mavs season tickets for 32 years. Oh, wow. Okay. The company had all the tickets. But basketball, you're closer to the action. There's more constant action. So that's the one I go to the most. Gave up the Cowboys tickets. I'd rather watch on not the big giant screen, but on my TV, which is big. And baseball, it's a little bit farther away. So I only go a few times a year. Uh, Hockey, I used to have season tickets right on the glass for a few years. And then that played out. So basketball definitely is my favorite sport to watch. And I I was always a Mavs fan, even when they were bad, because I don't think I really ever had a childhood loyalty to a pro team that much. Did you get to see, were you watching the games where Dirk and the Mavs won the championship? Yeah. Did you get to see any of those playoff games? I went to all of them, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't amazing in 06 when they they got up 2-0 and then squandered it and lost to D-Wade. But then 2011 or whatever that was with beating LeBron, that was awesome. But yeah, like I said, basketball, the, the electric atmosphere of being close and being there is really cool. And I've enjoyed that for many years. And I'll probably continue for a long time with that. But when I was doing the price guides, I had to rein in any um, personal loyalties or biases. I'd been a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, but not a Steelers fan from back when I lived in the Pittsburgh area when I was a little kid, hence my Roberto Clemente interest. And hockey, probably Dallas Stars, just because I was here and they moved. And then I got season tickets and that was fun to, I, I, I was there for the Stanley Cup that was uh, 99 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. But yeah, I didn't realize you were that big into it where you were at the games with season tickets and stuff. That's cool. When we had the company, it could be like a write off, you know, <laughs> right? To I passed them out. The people, the, the guys, it's one of the perks. If you're a grader or you're doing price guide analytical work, to get the perk of being able to travel to a card show, to be able to go to sporting event, no expense, was cool. So we really enjoyed that. And it was good for camaraderie. The guys hung out. And a great team. Try to keep track of every sport. We're doing price guides in every sport. And toward the end, it felt like a job. And so now I can be more like a fan and I can be more yeah. like a collector. And I sell some stuff, but pretty passively selling stuff. I'm not, you know, going to get a table at a show or open up a shop. Mm, yeah. I had financial margin for a long time because I've done uh, well enough, but time margin, sometimes even if you've got money, you just have responsibilities. You, you don't have time to do stuff you want to do. You got to do what you have to do. That was yep. So sell the company, get my life back. When I sold the company, these are guys from New York, super sharp. I said, uh, I'm selling you the company, but I'm not selling you the cards. Is that okay? They said, well, are they an income producing asset? I said, no, they're just sitting there. A lot of them used to be my cards when I was a kid. And I don't want to weed them out which ones I want to keep. I'm just going to keep them. They said, yeah. fine. So I said, okay. So now I got a lot of cards and I'm gradually reducing my load. That's cool. 
I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm also looking at the wall behind yeah. you. Yeah. Dipping my feet in water with YouTube. I've got a couple of five minute videos that are pretty rudimentary that just show kind of one panel at a time for the cards on the wall and, and discuss a little bit of why I pick something and why something will probably be replaced. As I get a little more feedback on it, I'll see if I want to change up the format. But some of the card wall cards, you just can't describe them. And unless somebody's on the show, they can't see it. So I, I don't want to do a YouTube uh, talking head show. I'm going to leave that to the, the pros. I retired. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't enjoy it. I enjoy the podcast audio. It does seem like folks just fall into one or the other because there's some great podcasts. Yours as well. I listen to all your stuff when it comes out. But yeah, I have to go to different places because I don't naturally have podcasts at the ready. So I go to the card ladder feed and that's where I'll see your stuff pop up. It's generational too. I have a really mixed demographic. And the older guys, what's a podcast? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and the younger guys are, are YouTube in it, I think. And so, that, that, but uh, anyway, I think of people that are supposed to find it eventually find it. And when having bite sized chunks, and I'll have people come up and they're sheepish when they say, I'm sorry, but I just don't listen to all of them. But the ones I listen to, I really like. And I said, you have to apologize for that. I'm not, I'm sure I don't like them all equally either. You're doing it every day. Yeah. It'll pop up on YouTube. There'll be four or five that come on like in a morning and I'll be like, it looks like no, that's what I'm doing because my podcasting software does not automatically post them. I do my own post-production and then I have to manually post it to YouTube. So I'll just do a batch of them a week. Yeah, I, I like that because I'll just blow through all of them because I'm, I'm in my office working and I, I have card content in the background. That's well, how There's a few of them that are true videos. Most of them are just the static podcast cover art. But I did some sorting videos. They're very poor quality, but people were just saying, hey, I don't, you can't talk me through it. Show me. And yeah. Again, YouTube is not going to be my emphasis, but it's, it's going to be necessary for showing some of the card wall stuff. And I'm going to have fun with that. One of them, they, so you may be wondering why this card is on there. It used to be my dad's and it was a, a 1933 Sport Kings. Oh, yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. It was not in good condition. I said, sorry, but I got it from my dad. So what am I going to do? Say, hey, dad, why did you manhandle the card when you were eight years old? Yeah. Oh, I love that. 96 now. And he doesn't remember individual cards. I hope he's not listening to this, but the the Ted Williams rookie, (laughs) 39 play ball and 33 Gowdy Ruths that he had a couple. Don't tell him. (laughs) I don't have any big secrets from my dad, but when he gave them to me, they were a few bucks a piece. This was in 1959 or something. So they really didn't have great value. Now they're doing fine. Wow. That's awesome. 